My new book, Peace Over Pain, is now available. You can buy it for $20 on Amazon or you can download it for free inside my exclusive Facebook group. Simply go to peaceoverpain.com slash join the group. And between the group and the book, you will learn how to eliminate chronic conditions. Welcome to Inner Peace with Dr. Reese, a program that can help you become liberated in the modern world. Now, here's your host, Dr. Kevin W. Reese. Have you found your hidden treasure? Welcome to episode number 151. Today, I'm speaking with Dr. Antoinette Allen. She's a coach, a public speaker, and the author of Bras, Bootstraps, and Bible. So sit down and relax and take in this beautiful recording. Let's begin. Dr. Allen, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. So what's the hidden treasure in every human being? Oh, goodness. My personal belief is that inside of every one of us is some treasure, right? So mm-hmm. each, every one of us is unique within our own rights. You know, right now, I often share with people, I said, there's no one else in the world that has your fingerprint. No one. And so a piece of that treasure is, it's going to be discovered as we get to know people, as we make connections to determine it. You know, your treasure could be that you're a person of great empathy or you're a great listener. Uh, For me, a lot of people say, you're so warm. It's nothing I create. It's just, it's a piece that's hidden in my treasure box. And so that's that's what I like to, to think about that everyone has some hidden treasure. And for some people it's buried deep and for other people, you know, it's easily seen. And so that's the the journey of life is is going around and being able to add to someone's treasure box and to take out of others. Mm. Do you feel that there's a, a God component to that? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I, I believe that it is God who has planted that treasure in each of us. Um, depending on where people's faith base relies, uh, my faith is the Christian faith. And so I fully believe that the creator himself, that we each have a piece of him within us. And that's where the hidden treasure sparks from. And that's, that's my belief. And I've seen it time and time again. Yeah. Do you have any, any stories that uh, correlate with that, that you've seen? <sighs> many, many stories. So, you know, if I just think back to, you know, some of my journey, so I've spent 21 years in the military and seen a lot of places and met a lot of people. Um, But the one thing that I know is that God was in all of those places. So whether it was a highlight in my life, you know, or if it was a, a time of despair, there was always someone, you know, put squarely into my path to encourage me. And so many of those people have been in my families, but many of them have been strangers. I mean, just a person who, 
in a training, hands you a, a sticky before you leave and say, wow, you, you know, this meant so much to me. So thousands of stories, you know, around those types of things happening. Yeah. Isn't it funny how someone comes into your life, even if it's just for 10 minutes, you know, they just, and then it just, it just makes a shift, right? It does. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's funny. I just get a kick out of it. Yeah. Yeah, You know, so I I do a lot of training and educating and public speaking. And it's so interesting, the stories that people will hang back, you know, and share with you about just something you said, something small that you don't even know. And they'll go, you know, when you said that, I thought about my dad, right? And what he told me when I was coming up, or when you said that, it reminded me that maybe I should go and share this you know, with my daughter or with my sons. So we, we never know what people need and we never know how important just, you know, just saying a hello to someone. We don't know how that, how that changes them. Yeah. And you don't know what they're going through. We don't. And even more so today, we really don't know what people are going through because, you know, on the outside, they may be smiling and saying, oh no, everything's great. But below that surface, we just never know what people are experiencing. No. Mm-hmm. So you were in the Air Force for 21 years. That's, that's a nice chunk of change right there. That's a long time. It's two decades and a year on top. <laughs> <laughs> just, just a little extra, right? What, what kind of challenges did you face in there doing your service? Many challenges. I mean, when you when you spend that much time in an organization, you grow up, right? So you evolve. And I went in at the age of 19, right? And so uh, some of my challenges were due to um, people just putting limits on me. You know, sometimes that limit was you're too young to do this, right? So I can remember one of those first challenges was the fact that I wanted to start college, so I'm, here I am, I'm like 19, 20, and I was, all my friends were really out kind of partying and, you know, being young. And I, I just thought, I was like, that seems like to be a waste of time. Like, you're going to do this every night, just, you know, have, have fun every night. And I started thinking, I said, well, I think I want to finish my degree. Hmm. And I can remember, you know, older people that I was, you know, serving with, they were just saying, no, you're too young to be going to school right now. You should be focusing on your job. And I was like, well, my boss said I could do this. And I faced a lot of resistance because the bulk of my college classes, my night college classes were people who were about to retire. Hmm. And so, you know, because they were like, well, I'm about to start a second career. This is the time to do this. And here I am in here. And it was, it was a lot of, you know, friction. And I was like, well, this is what I'm going to do. So I did four years of active duty, you know, in the Air Force. I graduated with my bachelor's degree the month that I left active duty. And then I entered into the National Guard and spent the next 17 years, you know, doing that. Hmm. So that was one of the earlier challenges. There were challenges around my race, if I'm being honest, of, Mm -hmm. you know, people saying, you know, you can't do this. You don't see anyone who looks like you who, who've done that. You know, you're a woman and you're an African-American woman. And I'm like, well, somebody's got to be the first. Right. <laughs> somebody's got to be the first. That's right. 
And you went all the way and got a doctorate. So I did. I did. <laughs> I did. And I have to tell you, um, that doctorate really was an honor of my grandparents, uh, in particular, my grandfather. Neither, neither one of my grandparents graduated from high school, you know, because in Virginia back then, education, you know, it was not, you know, equitable. And so I just remember hearing my grandfather's voice in the back of my head when I was a little girl and would complain about school. He would say, baby, you got to get your lesson. You got to get your lesson. Education is so important. And so, you know, I went all the way up, got the master's and I was like, I think I'm going to get a doctorate. And people were like, why? And I was like, I don't know. I just hear my granddaddy's voice, right? <laughs> Saying you got to get your lesson. And so it has opened up quite a few doors for me, but I did that in honor of them. So Nice. Nice. Is there... Is there any any stories in the National Guard that really kind of stand out? The mission of the National Guard has changed. So it's not just, you know, state support anymore. We support in the war. We support, um, you know, other localities, other communities. And so when uh, Hurricane Katrina, mm. you know, happened, um, I got activated for Hurricane Katrina. But mm. I, I was activated and went to my National Guard unit. I was a logistics officer at the time. So I went up there to help out with that response while other people from my unit actually went, you know, down and fully supported Hurricane Katrina. And I, I remember having those conversations with people. They're like, what is what's happening, you know, in the Gulf Coast have to do with you? You know, you're in Virginia. And I'm like, it's the National Guard. We support more than just local storms. You know, we are completely integrated into the mission of the Air Force and what, we help out so much. What did you experience with Hurricane Katrina? So I did not go, you know, down to Louisiana. So I was not boots on the ground. I stayed back in DC and just provided, you know, support, you know, from DC. So ensuring that the people that we deployed, you know, had what they needed. So as they were calling back, you know, we could resource and take care of the home support. And then we were there because if they needed more bodies, we were ready and you know, and fully ready to go. But I'll tell you, I did see quite a bit of people who were you know, just ready. My bags are packed, I'm here, what can I do? How can I support? And so it, you know, that's the beauty of the National Guard, I will say, is that there are people, because they're doing this you know, they're doing this out of patriotism. They're doing this because they love their communities and they want to support. It really was a situation of people who were just dedicated and ready to go. And so I've not seen that, you know, in a lot of work environments, you know, but I will say that that unit, I mean, really every unit I've been in, I've been in several, was just filled with some of the best people that you ever want to meet. Mm. It feels like so long ago, 2005, right? Yeah, well, so I retired. Yeah, it was 2005. I retired in 2014. I'm telling you, it feels like a lifetime ago. So I have to ask you this. Hurricane Katrina is notorious for um, the telethon that they did on television to raise money 
And Kanye West made that very um, polarizing statement on national television. Mm. I'm curious what you thought about that. He said George Bush doesn't care about black people. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You you got one foot in, one foot. You're in the military and you're African American. How do you take that comment? <laughs> so I have to tell you, um, one person cannot speak for millions. Of right. People, right. I mean, right. so that's just the truth. Um, like I said, I spent a lot of time educating, talking about, you know, diversity and equity issues. My doctoral work was around senior black women leaders, but I am not the voice of every African-American woman, right? right? I'm not the voice of the black community and neither is Kanye West. Mm -mm. I mean, so when, when one individual person speaks, I mean, he was addressing, you know, that he's addressing that's almost a one-on-one -on -one conversation because he doesn't have statistics he was to, giving his personal opinion it was his personal opinion and he's absolutely you know he has that right to be able to do that just as well as other people have the right to say oh well i don't agree with you concerning that and then some people said oh i do agree with you but it's all based upon our perspective and our experiences i mean now you know, the president is the commander in chief, right, of all military troops. I mean, that's their role. And so it's a little funny in our family. My mother would call me up. I'm not like a, I'm not a political person per se. Whoever is the, the sitting president is the commander in chief. So she would call me and she would say, uh, did you hear what your president did today? It doesn't matter which <laughs> president it is. <laughs> <laughs> but this is how, I mean, throughout my entire, you know, your my president. entire military career, you know, even now she'll call and say, did you hear what your president said? Because it was well known for me. I would tell people that's my commander in chief, period. Right. I'm wearing this uniform. <laughs> well, you must have heard a lot from her from 2016 to 2020. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness <laughs> once again you know it's all it's all a part of the the journey I mean it really is I mean I fully believe that you know everyone has the individual right to be a free thinker <laughs> to be you know a critical thinker and to have their opinions but I have the right also to hold my opinions you know how does someone keep moving forward when they're going through a really tough situation? Oh, man. So, um, well, there are many ways that you keep moving forward. And I, I actually, I created a model um, concerning that. It's called the fist model. So think of a fist, you know, like a raised fist. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah so it's a, a four-step model to help people to open back up. And so you know, I, I help people to explore this. So the first step is called find the melody. And so this is about the music, right? What is the current music that is playing in your life? If you're trying to get back up from a difficult situation, what's the music? I mean, is it the Jaws theme song? Right? Yeah. <laughs> you feel like everything is out to get you, you know, or is it Pharrell happy, right? I mean, wherever the music finds you, it's just important for you to understand what you're, you know, exploring, what you're feeling, what are the sounds. So that's one way because music moves us, 
we know that music shifts the emotions. Mm. And so my first, you know, really go to for people is to explore, find, find the melody. So find yourself a song that's going to help you get back up. You know, a lot of people will tell me, oh, it's fight song. Do you remember, you know, that song, this is my fight song, mm-hmm. right? You, or maybe it's Rocky, you know, <laughs> Rocky Balboa. Absolutely. Find, find that music. The second thing is to identify the movement, right? So what, what are you doing? Are you running, crawling, dancing? What are you doing? Explore that for yourself to know where you are in the moment. That will help you to develop a plan. You know, if you know that you're walking and you want to be running, well, then you know that takes practice, right? You've got to get out there and just do it. The third step is to savor the moment. And so savoring the moment is that critical step. And for me, you know, in the the hardest times of life, it really was about um, waking up in the morning and saying to myself, girl, you're alive. (laughs) What are you going to do with this day? Because you keep waking up, right? And so that's another thing that people can do. And then that last step is to transport the memory. And so that's once you're to the place of savoring the moment and saying, hey, I'm alive and I've got to move past this. That last step is to really think about what are you going to do with that memory? What are you going to learn from it? Right. Is it going to be the thing that you forever look back at and judge the rest of the world by? Or is it the thing that you're just going to say, yes, this happened. This was a very tough time in my life. And maybe you share it to help others. Mm. And so those are a few things, you know, that I offer to people about how to move forward. But a really good resilience tip is to know if you think back on the things that you've already survived, that will help you in your current, you know, crisis moment. You know, you can say, well, when I was 18, you know, I thought the world was falling apart because I didn't know what I wanted to do. And now I'm 35, right? And I'm in a better spot. When you think back on that and remember that you got through that difficult moment, you'll know that you can get through this current difficult mm. moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, using memory as a as a, uh, a reference point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And what what made you uh, write this book about what's it? It's bras, bootstraps. <laughs> bootstraps in and the Bible. The Bible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, so um, one of the things was, it just seems like I have experienced so many interesting things in life. And so, you know, I'm starting to get older. I mean, not too old, but I'm getting older. <laughs> and I was like, my kids don't know any of those stories. Right. And so I thought, what a nice way to sort of, you know, memorialize you know, a lot of the military moments and the things that I've experienced, you know, in, in a book. And so that bras, bootstraps in the Bible, that's essentially helping people to think about their support systems. Hmm. So bras is really about the people who support you, right? It could be your friends, your family, your work, you know, coworkers, but the people who support you. Bootstraps is how you support yourself, like your internal, you know, resilience of, you know, that misnomer of, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. That's, that doesn't work, but we do have things that we can pull on in the midst of difficult times that'll help us get through it. And then the, 
the Bible clearly is really talking about your spiritual resilience, your capacity to pull on something that's outside of yourself, right? Mm -hmm. A higher power. And so, you know, I wrote it in that way to share stories, but also to help people to really think about their own resilience. So it's a part, you know, part self-help book and part storytelling, which is what I love to do. So. Right, right. And one day my kids might read it. <laughs> How old are they now? So I have two uh, elementary school age kids and I actually have a uh, 21 year old. So okay. I've got, a, you know, a little spread. So I do laugh. I say well, one day, if you want to know some of your mom's earlier stories, <laughs> they're crafted in a book for you. <laughs> <laughs> How has, how has the Bible affected your life? Oh my goodness. Wow. Um, you know, it's everything, honestly, you know, I, I can think back to when it wasn't a resource, when it wasn't alive. And then now the difference of it's the go-to. So it's a, it's a fountain of youth, <laughs> you know, if you will, it's the thing that sustains me. It's the thing that, you know, motivates me. And it's the thing that tells me who I really am. You know, so people will tell you who they think you are, how they see you, what you could do better. But the Bible is the thing that puts it all into context. Because right. at the end of the day, that's the roadmap for everything that I'll ever do. It's, it's right in that book. Right. Yeah. What's your, uh, what's your favorite passage, your favorite oh. chapter? Oh, you know, so there's so many, but if you, this week, right. So let's talk about this week. Um, Psalms. Hmm. Oh, yeah. It's a couple. Cause I was just talking at church about this, but I, I want to say Psalms 121. I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence cometh my help. I hope coming from the Lord, right? That's, I've been focusing on that for the, you know, the past month, if you will. And probably because that's what my son has been, you know, saying as his memory verse. But I love that verse because it is one that sustained me in some of the darkest days, right? And so there was a thought that just kept coming to me about, you know, look up, right? Look up. Don't, don't look, don't look at what's going on with you, right? Don't, don't even look inside, just look up, look to the hills. And I love that verse about from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, right? So I can be calling out to a lot of people and a lot of things in life, but the Bible is very clear. My help comes from the Lord, even if it's going to come through people, but it's going to come from him first. And then he'll put them on assignment to assist me. So my first shout out has always got to be to the Lord. Right. So, yeah. And do you write poems as well? I do. <laughs> yes, I do. And yeah. is that, that's your other book, right? Yes. Yeah. So that's the other book. Um, and so my, my dissertation was, as I said, about senior black women leaders, and I looked at their resilience. But what I did with that research was I started writing poems about them. So I was telling their stories, right? But 
then I wanted to show a different view. And so I used artwork, music, and poetry to tell their stories. Mm. And I started writing poetry when I was little. And I still have those, you know, just your rhymey, you know, roses are red, violets are blue type things. Yeah. And then I thought, you know, I was being encouraged by people. You should, you know, you should really, you know, write about your experiences. And so I decided, you know, okay, well, I think I want to start with a, a poetry book and just, you know, continue to tell those stories. And so I published that this year and I was just so excited to be able to, to tell those stories and to be honest and raw, you know, and authentic. So you mentioned that you had some, some dark times. Who hasn't? <laughs> yeah. So is there is there any story that you can share? A well, dark sure. story? Well, a dark story. Hold There's on. a lot of dark on this podcast, but <laughs> everyone <laughs> shares their, you know, including myself, you know, everyone, like you said, who hasn't? Yeah, yeah. I mean, lots of dark times. Um, you know, I mean... So I could tell you one of the earliest sort of dark spaces for me was um, I had four miscarriages. Mm. And, and so that's why there's such a big gap between my first set of kids and my second. Right. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. And um, I mean, many, many, many dark days, you know, and I, I am a fighter, you know, some people say, oh, I'm, you know, I'm a warrior and I tried to press through those. Right. So the, the first miscarriage really took me down. I mean, absolutely took me down because I, I just, I already had one child and I was so excited about having another. And then, you know, the loss, it, it just was devastating. And honestly, I didn't know what to do with that sadness, right? I was like, this is odd. Like, I don't feel like myself. And then I just sort of suppressed those emotions, you know, for a long time. And then, you know, another miscarriage and another miscarriage and another miscarriage. But what sustained me during that time really was, was God. Mm. It was looking to the hills. It, it was, um, you know, he gave me a promise, if you will, that you will have another child. And I had to wait, you know, and I had to wait while every circumstance looked like it wasn't going to happen. And so I remember when I was pregnant with my middle daughter, you know, going to the doctor and I was, you know, laying on that table thinking, oh, here we go again, just another disappointment. And the doctor said, oh, I see the baby. <laughs> and I sat up on the table and I said, you see what? What? <laughs> and he looked at me so strange and he said, you do know why you came here, right? <laughs> and so, you know, I just share that, you know, in, in those dark days, God always gives us a promise. Mm -hmm. And if we can hang on to that and just know that it might not look the way that we think that it's going to look, and it may not come in the time that we think that it's going to come, but if he has promised you something, he will fulfill it. And so, you know, in those darkest days, it was always him still whispering, I'm with you you know, I love you, you know, you're going to have another child. And then I had two. And I'm like, God, you just, <laughs> you're amazing. So amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes patience is a must there, right? 
It is a must. It is. It is. Yeah. So. Yeah, you know the saying, never on schedule, but always on time. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Always. (laughs) Always on time. But, you know, I will tell you out of, you know, out of the pain of that, that experience really helped me to connect with other people who were hurting, you know, because it gives you a frame of reference and, you know, so it's, it's, um, it's more common than we think. And, you know, you think that things only happen to you and that's, that's not the case. A lot of people suffer in silence. And so, you know, now, like I said, it gives me a, a connection point you know, with people who are hurting, no matter how they're hurting, I can remember, you know, those days and those emotions and how it felt. And then say, well, you know, if God did this for me, <laughs> you know, he can certainly, you know, do this for you and, and, you know, to stretch out those arms to people who are hurting. Yeah. You know, what's your feeling on death? That's another big topic on this podcast. You know, just this morning, uh, a tragedy broke out in the sports world at the time that we're recording this podcast. Mm. Um, uh, Yeah, a a quarterback was uh, hit by a car and died. So it's all over the news right now as we speak. And piggybacking off what you just said, that there's a lot of people suffering out there in silence or uh, you know you're not the only one so this gentleman just tragically died at 24 years old and he's all over the news Mm. there's probably thousands of people that died today and they're not all over the news right and so sometimes i think you know we attach ourselves to our problem but there's thousands, if not millions of other people going through the same exact thing. There's somebody out there that had four miscarriages. Yeah. Gotta be. Yeah, absolutely. And so, absolutely. yeah. Wh- how do you correlate? I mean, how do, how do you bring in the faith to, um, to death and that, and that type of suffering? You know, so death is a piece of the journey as well, right? I mean, no one lives forever. And I think, you know, a lot of people talk about you start with the end in mind, right? <laughs> the, the end is death. And we have no capacity to know if we're going to live 100 years or 100 minutes. And so, you know, the goal of this is to really to put it in the context of what do you do with the moments when you're actually still alive? I mean, that's, that's what it's about. Um, when we're born, when we get to the age of, you know, having like a mind that we understand that one day we will die, um, we, can't, we can't live for that day. All we have is this moment. And so it's all about how you treat people, what do you spend your time doing? And what do you want to spend your time doing? Hmm. Because the Bible is clear. I mean, life, we're like a vapor, right? I mean, we just, and, and then this earthly life is done. And based upon what people believe, we know that, you know, in the Christian faith, people believe that we will live, we will have an eternity, you know, with the Lord. So long ago, I stopped kind of fearing death right? 
you know, I was like, death is the promise. I mean, so, you know, my daddy has this thing that he likes to say to me. He says, um, you know, he said, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die to get there. (laughs) (laughs) And that's, that's the ticket, right? That that's, that is the (laughs) transition of life. And so um, every, every death is tragic. I mean, we can't put, you know, the quarterback, you know, being killed. I mean, I pray for his family and for the people who are mourning the loss of him, but you're right. There are so many people who never woke up today, right? Every, every death is tragic to those who love them and will miss them. And so if we start to focus on that and really just put that emphasis on, okay, have I told them that I love them today? Yeah. Today, like real world in this moment. If it wasn't for death, how could we squeeze the juice out of life? <laughs> right? It's like it's part of the deal, man. You know, it is, and it's it is really we're born uh, to die, and then we're we born to create are. a story in between. We are, we are. So, you know, years ago I met this woman, I was doing a women's retreat or something, and I was speaking, and um I don't even remember the topic, but I do remember that she came up to me at the end and she was explaining that she was still grieving the loss of her son, you know, and he, he died like three years old. And, you know, I, I'm wanting to weep with this woman because I just, you know, I can't imagine, you know, the pain. And she was really having a hard time, you know, moving on. And I'm sitting there because, you know, I don't have all the right words. None of us do. And it's not for us to be able to try to fix and solve. Um, you know, for people, because I'm not God. And I know that that's his role, right? He's the comforter. But I just said to her, I said, here's here's the only thing that I can say to you that could potentially encourage you. I said, we don't know why some people get 100 years and some people get three years. But my question to you is, how are you going to honor the three years that your son had on earth? Because she was a Christian woman. I'm a Christian woman. I said, if you believe that God is sovereign and that God is in control, then what happened in those three years that God gave him that you will mm-hmm. use moving forward? Right. And we, I mean, that's not me saying that, you know, that that's, that's God saying, here's, you know, once again, here's something I want you, you know, to, to offer. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, to her, she's like, that's exactly what I need to focus on. She said, because I want to honor his memory. Right. And so now I can leave here and think about focusing on what do I do to honor his memory? Cause mm. the truth is you're never going to forget people that you love. No. You won't. They're, they're imprinted into your soul, into your, your memory and your heart. And that's the fear of death, right? <laughs> that's the fear is that, you can't connect with them in the way that you were comfortable connecting with them before. Right. Yeah. Every relationship is like a triangle kind of to you and the other person. And at the tip, you create that bond Yes. and that bond doesn't go anywhere, whether they're no. alive or they're dead. No, it doesn't. I mean, as a matter of fact, you know, that's one of the things when you were asking earlier about how to help people to, to move forward. Right it's to pull back on that tip of the triangle. I mean, I do that frequently. Sometimes, you know, my, some of my greatest comforters are now, you know, they're in heaven. And so 
I think about, okay, what would my mother, my grandmother have told me, right? I mean, I'm, I'm frequently, you know, thinking over the wisdom that she left for me when I was here. I think about my great aunt who passed, who in my darkest time just called me out of the blue and sung Stevie Wonder. I just called to say, <laughs> I love you. Right? I mean, I think on those things and not from a selfish standpoint, from the standpoint of who am I doing those things for? Because they were modeling for me how to love others. Yeah. There it is. That's great. Yeah. I just recently had a, um, a hospice nurse on this podcast. And I was inquiring about stories. Mm-hmm. She had so many amazing death stories. Mm-hmm. I mean, in-depth look it was like a documentary on death audio version you know it was like she had just these amazing stories and some people being extremely scared and some people just going out with just such grace such peace you know Mm -hmm. and some people being really ill you know and and some people being young She's got this one patient who's like 102 and he can't understand why he's still alive. He's like, I want to die. Like, what's happening? Like, I want to like, you know, he can't walk. He's like, I want to go. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) And all I can really think is that things are just happening how they're supposed to. Yeah, I just, you know, I just think we leave when our work is done. I mean, that's purely what I, I, I believe we're on assignment. And sometimes we don't know what that assignment is or who, who the assignment is. And for the man who's 102, you know, who's to say that in a week, there's not going to be, you know, a new patient who comes in that he has to say a word to, or a young nurse who's starting their career, who needs his perspective. I just Mm. think we are puzzle pieces, right? That's, that's kind of the way I've always, you know, thought about our journeys is, is we are little puzzle pieces and we connect into each other and you don't leave until your puzzle is completed. I mean, and we know how puzzle pieces get missing and they get under the sofa (laughs) and all these things. But until we, that last, our last little puzzle piece is put in its place, we don't go. I like that. God's puzzle pieces. Yes, absolutely. And see, we're connecting today, right? So you're a puzzle piece and I'm a puzzle piece. And then people who listen to this, I mean, it's all about his, you know, the way that he connects us. And there's always synchronicities too, because I mean, just yesterday I was talking about Stevie Wonder with someone. <laughs> and so you could, you could have mentioned any musician in the world. You, you could have, you know, you could have said, Yanni, you could could have said (laughs) Mozart, but you said Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder, yeah. I call that confirmation, right? (laughs) Sometimes I refer to that as like a kiss and a hug from heaven, right? It's like God saying, yep, you're on the right path. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that always happens. I have a, 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 a clinic that helps people get out of pain. And I was developing a program. It's a 120 day program. 
-hmm. And I was reading a marketing book to help myself, you know, help get, get, you know, clients. Right. And the guy starts talking about a pain clinic and it's on page 120. (laughs) (laughs) So you're reading the right book at the right time. (laughs) I mean, these things, they just happen. They do. They do. Absolutely. Yeah. What are art infused learning opportunities? Oh, so, um, so what I typically I use and I try to weave into every sort of presentation that I'm doing is art, music, dance, um, and poetry. So those are my art, you know, infused sort of sessions. And the thing that I say is like, I teach a lot of leadership principles and, you know, just different communication concepts, all types of things. And I say, there is a science behind most of this. And most of you know the science. I like to bring the art, (laughs) right? So lots of abstract learning, um, really focusing on self. How do you see yourself? So we talked about that music. So I'm always using music, asking people to find, you know, their leadership theme song or a life song. I use music to help dissect emotions, right? So there's a song I love to use. I used it in my dissertation. It's uh, Nina Simone, Four Women. Hmm. And so, you know, from the 60s and she describes four black women. And so I typically play that song for my participants and ask them, you know, which one of those characters do they resonate with, right? The emotions, which, which one drew you in? And then we talk about that. We get these wonderful insights from people, you know, just listening to this character. And I can remember presenting this at a conference. There are like over a hundred people in the room. And when the song, when I cut the song off, I can hear this weeping. And I'm like, I mean, I'm at a conference, right? You don't typically get people weeping, you know, in conferences, especially at a leadership conference. And this woman is just, she's weeping. And I immediately, like, I'm about to move from the podium to go help this woman because I'm like, I've got to console her. But this other woman moves in and she says, Dr. Allen, I have her, you know, continue. And so when she pulled herself together, she shared, you know, with with the, the group of people, she was like, that was my mother, that character that was in that song, that was my mother's story. Hmm. and I've never heard it put into words, right? I watched it, but it was her story in words. And she's like, my mother, you know, has already passed on. And, you know, I wish I could have really truly understood it the way that this song put it and been able to assist her. And it was just such a, a beautiful moment. And so that's the power of music. So I'm always trying to, you know, implement music into training and then dancing. So I love dancing. I've been dancing for nearly 30 years, it seems like. And so the ability to be able to move because our bodies are wired for movement and who wants to sit in a chair for a six hour learning engagement? No, people need to move. And so as much as I can incorporate that in and then thinking about, you know, helping them to understand, you know, the benefits of movement. And I'm talking to myself as I'm talking to you. <laughs> um, 
but being able to do that. And then poetry, being able to connect around those, you know, poetic words and gestures and stories and for people to be able to write their own. So, yeah. you know, always, and then lastly, art, right? I mean, pieces of art. If I took down my wall, you know, paper, I'm surrounded in a room that's just filled with artwork. I love art. It gives us a different way to view the world and to see ourselves and to really critically think, what was the artist thinking in that moment, right? I see it as this, but what was the artist's inspiration? And so inspiration is all around us. And so I think, you know, I love, I prefer to really use the artistic, you know, flares for creativity when teaching different concepts. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's no dog paintings, you know, there's no, there's no, uh, you know, humans are the ones that make art. That's what makes it really like unique. It's, it's human expression. Yeah. Except, you know, now they are using AI to create <laughs> art and there's quite a stir because this art is really good. And so they're really starting to think about, you know, what does this mean for humans? You know, now if, if AI, you know, if technology can create mm -hmm. masterpieces, you know, you don't know what the inspiration is. So, well, AI is, you know, the next frontier apparently. So, yeah. You know, the, the metaverse and <laughs> absolutely we're, we're about the okay. next 10 years are going to be very interesting it is but you know here's you know the thing that i think so ai and technology you know of course it, it can be an enhancement but it can also be a deterrent and so when you start to think about that peace right that inner peace we are all going to have to do that work. I mean, you're, you're not going to be able to rely on technology truly to fix, you know, what's happening on the inside. Hmm. We're still going to be, you're not, you're not going to be able to find God through AI. I mean, you know what I mean? Right. It's still, it's still going to be the work, you know, that we are humans and he is the creator of humans. And we're going to have to continually seek him. And I don't care how good our technology becomes we're still going to have to seek him for that inner peace. Right. So, yeah. So before I get to my last question, where can someone come find you, see your work, come say hello? Oh, yeah. So I am a um, social media dinosaur, <laughs> meaning um, I am just now starting to connect, you know, to that. So they could find me on LinkedIn. Uh, on LinkedIn is Antoinette Tony, which is my family name, T-O-N-I, Allen. So Antoinette Tony Allen. They can find me on LinkedIn. Um, they can find me on Facebook, Dr. Antoinette Allen. Uh, that's another place um, that they could connect with me. And then I have a very small YouTube channel. And that's once again, Dr. Antoinette Allen. You should be able to find me there. So we don't have to send you snail mail. <laughs> <laughs> But my, my oldest daughter is working now to get me, you know, connected. She's like, mom, you know, you're, you're really starting to connect with people. You've got to get on social media, but yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so what are the top three books that inspired you besides the Bible? Oh, so there is a book it's on my shelf here by Desmond Tutu. And his daughter is called the book of forgiving. Mm. 
And so that's probably a number one because forgiveness is really, that's, um, that's, that's my forever work, right? So that's, that's the beautiful thing that came out of my dissertation. And that's the work that I do is I help people to really think about forgiveness. So that book was just critical for me, um, understanding the different levels of forgiveness. Um, another book is Maya Angelou's, her book of poems. Mm. So that's another one. I'm huge, you know, Maya Angelou fan. She's such an inspirational um, force. And mm. then there is this other book that I really love and it's called um, Managing Transitions by William Bridges. Mm. And so I probably teach with this book quite a bit because he talks about the emotional side of change. And that most change efforts fail because we don't acknowledge the human emotions that go into change. And so that's so critical for me because I love helping people to think through emotions because we spent a lot of time suppressing them. At least that's my story, <laughs> is, is not understanding how important emotions are for us as we walk in the world. Yes, so. yes. You can't, we can't repress and suppress we gotta, you know, we gotta we let, it to out. let them out. We do, we do. And that is a gateway to peace. I mean, it's being able to, you know, mature in your emotions and be able to effectively, you know, be able to respond to them in the world. That's why I think, I think crying is just so important. <laughs> it is. Crying and laughing. I, yeah. I, I never used to cry. Like I, I really was almost stoic, you know, in that way. And now these days, like my kids, they're like, mom, you're crying again over the commercial. <laughs> and I'm like, it's just so beautiful. <laughs> right on. Very cool. Yeah. Well, I appreciate your time today. Absolutely. And I think so I'm, I think I'm going to name this episode, uh, God's puzzle pieces. Yes. And so I, I just want to say thank you for the, um, the invite. Today is my birthday. Ah. And so this is my birthday present from God. That's the, every year. I, I, God sends me something. And so when I got your invite, I told my daughter, I said, I think this is my birthday present from God. This is my first podcast interview. So I was just, I said, this is so exciting to be able to talk about him, you know, on this day, he makes everything possible. So that is definitely a puzzle piece. <laughs> Very cool. And congratulations on another year. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to Inner Peace with Dr. Reese. If this episode opened your heart, feel free to share on social media and tell your loved ones. Also, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, may peace be with you.